Kia I'm Shondi Wilson in for Damien Venuto and this is a summer special of The Front Page, New Zealand Herald's daily news podcast. While The Front Page is on summer break, we're taking a look back at some of the biggest news stories and top-rated episodes from the podcast over the last year. Back in April, two record drug busts within New Zealand's borders prompted us to take a look at why more and more drugs were passing into Aotearoa. In the months since, more stories have landed in the New Zealand Herald newsroom of record hauls, including 140 kilograms of cocaine seized at the ports of Auckland, 25 kilograms of meth found inside a Canadian man's suitcase, and $25 million worth of cannabis seized in Auckland. With so many drugs passing through our borders, or at least trying to, let's revisit my chat on the front page with New Zealand Herald senior crime writer Jared Savage to find out why these drug busts are getting bigger. Jared, the big drug importation story at the moment is this meth beer investigation. Now, what can you tell us about this case? Yeah, it's a really interesting one. The media got a, a note from the police about a month ago with a quite a strange warning on it. It was basically saying, look out for this honey beer house beer. We think there's methamphetamine inside the cans and, and they're being distributed around the community. There wasn't a whole heap of more information in there, but what came to light was the police had cottoned on to this because some poor fellow called Aidan Sagala had actually died not long after consuming one of these beers. And what was revealed after that? It seems there was a large importation of pallets and pallets of beer cans that had been imported into the country. And inside, certain of those beer cans hidden amongst the pallets were actually liquid methamphetamine concealed inside the cans. And what had happened was is that this poor young fellow who had nothing to do with the importation or any sort of criminality, the, the police had been very clear on that, had been handed what he thought was a legitimate beer and what the person who gave it to him thought was a legitimate beer, but it was actually filled with methamphetamine. You know, he died shortly afterwards. You know, there's a suspicion that, of course, he's died from the toxicity from the drugs. And the police began investigating his death, and then they quickly cottoned on to these beers. And from that, they found this large industrial kind of warehouse where there's pallets and pallets of beers. And in among them are many, many, many beer cans full of liquid methamphetamine. Are people trying other odd ways of getting drugs in the country? How common it is for meth and other illegal drugs to make it into Aotearoa in these creative or hidden ways? And how often does it actually make it out into the hands of unsuspecting civilians? Yeah, good question. I mean, these sorts of concealments are limited only by people's imagination. So I wouldn't say the beer itself is not a, a common way of, of doing it, but I mean, I'm aware of methamphetamine being hidden inside concrete, you know, like umbrella-based stands. So the, the, the methamphetamine is actually mixed into the, the concrete-like substance, imported into New Zealand as umbrella stands, and then on arrival in New Zealand, broken up and then reconstituted into, into methamphetamine. They're in plastic bags within the concrete, is that right? No, no, no. The actual methamphetamine is mixed in with the concrete. So if you broke it open, you would just see what you think is concrete. So how do they extract it then? Oh, well, it then goes through a long, complicated process where they where they break up the concrete and then sort of using heat and different liquid extraction methods, um, reconstitute it into, into methamphetamine, the um, 
the heavier bits of concrete fall away. I mean, I'll give you a couple of other examples. Um, I'm aware of drugs being imported into New Zealand as sort of like cameo cream kind of biscuits where you've got like a, a jam or a cream type substance in between the two biscuits. The, the drugs have been mixed into that cream bit and then lodged between two legitimate biscuits and then packaged up as a packet of biscuits. Drugs hidden inside cans of paint. It's really is just limited by imagination and police and customs officers in particular have a, quite a difficult time uh, working out what's what's legitimate and what's not. We're only a few months into this year, but we've already seen multiple large-scale drug busts in New Zealand. Now, back in February, nearly four tonnes of cocaine was recovered from the Pacific Ocean in one of the country's largest drug busts. Today, we are revealing the details of a significant seizure of cocaine in an operation led by New Zealand police. We believe we've dealt a significant blow to an international criminal syndicate's operation after we intercepted 3.2 tonnes of cocaine that had been dropped at a floating transit point in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. This is the largest find of illicit drugs by New Zealand agencies by some margin. So why are we seeing these big drug busts? Is this due to more being imported into the country or are cops becoming just better in making these busts? It's a bit of both. I mean, if we can just rewind a little bit to 20 years ago to when methamphetamine first kind of arrived in New Zealand as a popular drug, the police would be over the moon at finding one kilogram of methamphetamine. That'd be front page news, a million dollars worth of meth it would have been at that time. Now, one kilogram is nothing. Low-level, small-time dealers carry around more than that in the trunk of their car. So we've had this escalation over the past 20 years where the busts have just become bigger and bigger and bigger. For many years, the biggest ever bust in 2006 was about 100 kilograms of meth. That remained the benchmark for about 10 years until 500 kilos was found up in, up in Northland, which was a mind-blowing discovery at the time. But now that's, I wouldn't say that's routine, but we've had several other importations of a similar size. We've actually had one that is more than that, about 600 kilograms. I wouldn't be surprised if this honey bear one ends up being more. That's because essentially international organised crime syndicates see New Zealand, although we're a small market, we're a very lucrative market. So by flooding the market here with large amounts of drugs, um, they're making a lot of money and that's been sent offshore. Now, on the flip side of it is that the police are also at customs, I should say, are also getting better and better at investigating these groups, different techniques to to catch them and gather the evidence and to stop them. So it's a wee bit of both, but we're definitely at a point now, the once 100 kilogram record is, is now, it's now routine. So if this is the new norm, how lucrative is New Zealand's drug market? To give you an idea, so a lot of the drugs now are coming from Southeast Asia, uh, where they're being manufactured in large super laboratories in the middle of the jungle, basically, in the Golden Triangle, and also from Mexico, Mexico cartels. So these are large organisations sending hundreds, if not thousands of kilograms of drugs all around the world to different countries. And New Zealand has caught the attention of these groups because of the amount of money that can be made. So say a kilogram of meth, which can be purchased in Mexico for $1,000, in the United States, it's probably going to cost you about $5,000 at a wholesale level. In New Zealand, it's worth anywhere between eighty dollars to $160,000 at a wholesale level. So there's a huge amount of profit there to be made. 
because of the demand for the drug. So the profit margins are so high that, that, it, that it's worth it for these groups. And with that demand, we're now starting to see fentanyl and the more potent metoitzazine, which is an interesting one to say, show up as well. Is there a risk that we're going to start being targeted with more potent and potentially even deadlier drugs? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's something that has been on the minds of drug educators and, and different government officials for a few years now. So fentanyl is a synthetic opioid, a man-made version of, of heroin, basically, and very, very uh, addictive, and people overdose on it. So people don't really overdose on, on methamphetamine all that often here, unless it's accidentally ingested like that poor boy in the beer cans case. But fentanyl in the United States about four years ago, like tens of thousands of people were dying because they were taking too much. Now, that raised the alarm here around, well, we need to be prepared for this. We've actually had very few cases of, of fentanyl being imported here. There was a, a scare about a year ago where some party goers or concert goers consumed some and about a dozen of them ended up in hospital. No fatalities, thankfully. So there's always that risk because if there's a demand for it, people will supply it. But at the moment, we haven't really seen that be a, a huge problem here. We need to be ready for it, just in case. But really, methamphetamine is still far and away the number one consumed drug in New Zealand, followed by MDMA or ecstasy and increasingly more cocaine. If you're enjoying this episode of The Front Page brought to you by the New Zealand Herald, make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You mentioned high demand. What are some of the ways of lessening demand that experts have suggested? I mean, I think drug use and drug addiction is uh, intertwined with a lot of other social problems that we have, whether that be poverty, unemployment, poor housing. Probably one of the number one things that we can do is is to have targeted education of children under the age of 10 to educate them about the potential danger and harm from, from drug use. Number two would be more funding and resources available for people suffering from addiction. I mean, there's a growing acceptance that drug use should be treated as a health issue rather than a, than a criminal issue. Less people are being sent to prison now for possession, personal possession of, of drug use. In fact, the, the police no longer really arrest anybody for personal possession of, of methamphetamine. It's, it's more the commercial dealers. But the issue is, is that when people aren't being sent to prison for you know drug addiction, which is which is a good thing, there's still nowhere for them to go to help break that cycle because you know you're often returning to the same toxic environments and which led them to using drugs in the first place. So we need a lot more drug and addiction counsellors and rehabilitation centres around the country. If you live in a rural part of New Zealand, very hard to get the sort of support that you need to keep yourself clean. I think those are the two most important things we could focus on to reduce demand. In 2016, the Drug Harm Index estimated that New Zealand spends about $350 million a year on drug interventions. Of that, $170 million was on courts and prisons, $100 million was on policing, and just $80 million was for healthcare. You recently reported on the case of a Mr. Big Type, a leader of a cartel, who was arrested in Spain over a huge shipment of meth to New Zealand. What happened there? 
Yes, we're going to be a little bit careful because the matter is now before the courts. But what we can say is that there was a, a massive shipment of, of methamphetamine into New Zealand. What happened was is that a fishing boat uh, left the east coast of the Bay of Plenty, travelled about 100, 200 kilometres out to sea and met a mothership where 500 kilos of, of meth was transferred at sea brought back into the country and then split up into multiple 200 kilo plus caches of, of drugs and, and then sold. And the police kind of stumbled across both of them, really, and then arrested the people in New Zealand and they got significant prison sentences. Now, what happened, though, is that throughout the investigation, the police were able to identify someone who they alleged to be sort of the mastermind behind the original 500 kilo shipment into the country and got an arrest warrant issued here in New Zealand and then sent it to Interpol, which is like the global network of, of police uh, or law enforcement agencies around the country. And lo and behold, six months later, the person that they alleged to be the, the Mr. Big or the mastermind behind that shipment was arrested in Spain and then has been extradited back to New Zealand to, to face charges around that. So to me, what is the most significant aspect of that arrest or that, that successful extradition is the fact that someone who the New Zealand police alleged to be behind it, there's been cooperation between law enforcement agencies to send this person back to New Zealand, and and, the, and then the evidence is put before the courts. It's relatively rare for that to happen. Yes, because presumably extradition is often not an option. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of countries that do not have an extradition treaty with New Zealand, so that's not an option. Even the ones that do, it's not often a priority for their police forces to be helping our, our detectives to do their work for them. But there's definitely a greater cooperation, it seems, between countries more and more in recent years because that's how transnational organised crime groups exploit weaknesses in borders and between different countries in order to make their business work right. So they work as a multinational group to send drugs from one country to another often via, you know, shell companies and therefore, you know, New Zealand has to be working with other countries in order to hold people to account. 10, 15 years ago, it was very rare for like, you know, the, the police would have a great investigation here, lock everybody up. And yet the people who were really behind it all were safely overseas, sort of beyond the reach of the long arm of the law. And they would just send new lieutenants and to, to pick up where the last crew left off. Jared, we've seen numerous stories in recent years around significant drug busts at the border. But as the Honey Bear case shows, these criminals are getting more creative at smuggling these drugs in. So, in your view, are we likely to see this problem improve or worsen in the months and years to come? I don't think we're going to be going back to the days where one kilogram was was a big deal. I think really, like the, the police and customs have got a very hard job to do. Criminal syndicates are very clever. They get to spend all their time thinking about new and ingenious ways to get drugs into the country and then importantly for them to get money out of the country. So I don't think it's going to get any better. I think obviously the you know, law enforcement needs all our full support in regards to doing that work. Given our success and some pretty good extraditions of late, hopefully that will make people think twice about it. However, I think really the big key now is is to tackle the demand side of it. It's the laws of supply and demand. So improving our social structure, improving how children are educated, improving basically how we are set up in the world and class problems, 
then that would make an enormous difference. Absolutely. Like long term, that's I think recognised around the world. There's going to be disagreement as to how we do that and how we reach that point. But I think it needs to be happening together in concert. You need you need the strong law enforcement, but you also need much greater emphasis on on health and education. Thanks so much for joining us, Jared. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by me, Sean D. Wilson, Paddy Fox, and executive producer Ethan Sills. Subscribe to The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.